Good morning and welcome to New Life. My name is Kristen Widener and I am New Life's family pastor. And thank you for investing your time to be with us this weekend. Please know that we have really been praying for you. We've been planning for you to be here and we're really excited that you're with us today as we continue to celebrate the Christmas season. We are in week two of our Christmas series called Holy Moments. Our lives are not measured by time, they're measured by moments. We rarely remember an entire year or a month, a week, even a day, but we remember specific moments in time. For example, I remember the moment that I was in the pediatrician's office as an eight-year-old little, eight little girl, and I kid you not, the doctor looked me straight in the eyes and said, Kristen, you're gonna be so tall when you grow up. <laughs> yeah, I remember the moment that my elementary bus bully, Francis, was picking on me, and she was in first grade, and I was in second grade, and I didn't know how to respond to her, and so one day I decided that I was going to stand up to my bully, and I was going to show her who's boss. So I stood up on the bus with my hands on my hips, and I said, you're just being a cis narf. <laughs> It turns out that calling someone their name backwards is not very offensive. <laughs> I remember the moment that the sanctuary doors opened on my wedding day and I got to walk down the aisle to my husband, Jake. I remember the moment that I quit my teaching job to work here at New Life as the children's director. And as I Reflect on each of these moments, I can relive every detail as if it just happened, from what people were wearing, to the smell of the room, to the emotions felt. I can relive every detail of a holy moment as if it just happened. There is so much power in a moment, but how can we really differentiate between what's just a moment and what's a holy moment? Well, a holy moment is a single moment in which you open yourself to God. You make yourself available to him. You set aside personal preference and self-interest, and for one moment, you do what you prayerfully believe God is calling you to do. The beauty of a single moment is that it's not overwhelming and we don't anticipate it coming. See, holy moments allow us to experience what it's like to be 100% open to God for just one single moment. When we make ourselves available to God, amazing things happen. See, the more that we grow spiritually, the more we start to really want what's good for us. When we set aside our personal preference and our self-interest, we begin to see alignment between God's will and our will, and it all starts with just one moment of surrender. We're going to be talking about this idea of surrender through the context of the story of Mary and her encounter with the angel Gabriel. Mary had a holy moment, and that holy moment led to countless holy moments. But she never would have experienced that holy moment if she didn't surrender her will to God. Because surrender is not just a moment in time. It's moments all the time. All of us have something that we need to surrender to God. Maybe it's a job opportunity. 
Maybe you're about to graduate here in December or this upcoming May and you're trying to figure out what to do next in your life. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's letting go of the life you thought you were going to have and allowing God to have complete control of your future. Maybe it's being generous in a culture that's really telling us to keep everything to ourselves and control things, but God is calling you to surrender to a lifestyle of generosity and really be a blessing to those around you. As we dive in to this idea of surrender, we need to first think about what surrender really looks like for all of us. I know that when I think about surrender, I think about waving a white flag or throwing my hands in the air, tapping out. Essentially, surrender is giving up. And that idea has a very negative connotation for so many of us. But what we need to remember is that surrender isn't giving up. It's letting go. This leads me to today's take-home point, and that's the one point that this entire message is about. It's the point that we want you to take home and pray through throughout the week and strive to live out, and it's this. God can do miraculous things through one moment of surrender. I'm going to share about a moment of surrender that I had 16 years ago. Jake and I started dating my senior year of high school, and a few months after we started dating, he had joined the Navy, and he was getting ready to leave for boot camp. My parents decided to be really cool this day, and they let me skip school so that I could spend the day with him and his family. Now, the Wideners are a very outdoorsy bunch. They love going hiking and whitewater rafting and camping in tents, all kinds of things I never did growing up. They also really love to go bike riding. And so for this adventure day, they decided to take this really big bike trip through the city of Pittsburgh. Now, I just started dating Jake, and I was trying really hard to impress him and his family, and so I didn't have the guts to tell them that I can't ride a bike. <laughs> and like, I can ride a bike, but I just white knuckle it the entire time, and I never use the brakes. So I just remove my feet from the pedals, and I jump off the bike and throw it when I get nervous. So the night before this big adventure day, I decided to pray really, really hard that I would wake up with a stomach bug. But I didn't. I didn't. I woke up perfectly fine, and I thought, you know, I am way more coordinated than I was a couple years ago. Everyone can ride a bike. I'm going to get on that bike, and I'm going to do a great job. So we start on our biking adventure, and I literally hit every single pothole. And there were so many potholes. Even if I tried to avoid it, I still hit it. Then we came to this really big statue, and I did what I do when I get nervous. I removed my feet from the pedals, but I didn't throw the bike because it wasn't like a great place to just jump off. So I just let the bike take direction, and it, it veered me right into the railing where I almost flew over the handlebars into the Monongahela River. I played it off very nicely until we got to the busy streets of Pittsburgh, and then that fear began to really set in that I was going to die. And so <laughs> I got off the bike, and I just started walking. And that's when Jake looked at me, and that's when I surrendered. I gave up control, and I said, Jake, I can't ride a bike. 
And he said, no kidding. And so, <laughs> so he so kindly went and got the car and came and picked me up and we went out to lunch. And I like to think that because I surrendered, because I gave up control, that Jake loves me just a little bit more today for a few reasons. One is that he didn't dump me after that experience. Two, he loves that we get to tell this story all the time. And three, for our anniversary, he bought us a tandem bike so that I no longer had to be left behind and I didn't fall off while we were riding bikes. So here's a picture of us 14 years ago in Pittsburgh riding our tandem. Look, I'm still walking beside the bike. <laughs> See, I tried to control something, but I eventually, I gave up. I surrendered, and I saw the result of a love forming, a relationship strengthening. And we got this tandem bike out of it. And now, you can see there's another picture. We, we still ride it. We just keep adding seats to it. So now we actually have a trailer in the back where Jackson and Shiloh sit. So if you ever see us riding around Saxonburg, you can just say hi to us. But yeah, so... <laughs> we remember God's goodness and his amazing work in the context of a story as silly as this one. But the story of Mary and Gabriel is even crazier. You've maybe never heard it, how we're going to talk about it today, but when you hear it, it really changes the Christmas season. It changes the way we feel about surrender. Even if you don't know much about the Bible, you have likely heard about Mary, baby Jesus, and an angel. So before we dive into God's word, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to this earth. I thank you for Mary, and I thank you for how you used her to teach us how to surrender, how to give you control over our lives. And God, I pray today that as all of us open up our hearts and our minds, our ears to hear what you want us to learn today, that we can lay everything down at your feet, knowing that you are in control and we are not. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak very clearly through me, that my words are your words. I love you and I thank you that we get to be here today to draw closer to you and learn more about your son, Jesus. In your son, Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26 reads, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. So Gabriel only shows up three times in scripture, once to Daniel, once to Zachariah, who's Elizabeth's husband, and then right here to Mary. I've always pictured Nazareth to be this really big, bustling community full of a ton of people and roads everywhere, but archaeologists and scholars believe that Nazareth was between 10 and 30 acres. Just to put that into perspective for all of you, the New Life campus with the parking lot and the building and all the property is about 20 acres. That means that the entire town of Nazareth could fit right here on New Life's campus. That's why in John chapter 1, when Philip went looking for Nathaniel to tell them that they found the person that the prophets had been talking about, it was Jesus of Nazareth, Nathaniel was shocked because he doubted that anything good could really come from Nazareth. And some of us may be coming from a Nazareth. It's a broken background where people think that nothing good can come of us. You find yourself in this situation that you never thought that you'd be in, but then you feel God starting to pull you out of those places. 
But then you doubt yourself because you maybe don't have the education or the experience or you might think you're not equipped to handle what you're facing. But please know that you are exactly who God can use for your situation and your circumstance. And it's in this context of Nazareth that the angel Gabriel came down to Mary. Luke chapter 1 verse 27 reads, To a virgin named Mary, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Last week, Pastor Alex shared about Joseph's act of obedience and how hard all of this was for Joseph. Mary was around 14 years old when Gabriel came to her and told her that she was going to have a child. Mary came from Nazareth. She came from that dumpy 20-acre town where nothing good came from. There was a population of anywhere from 200 to 400 people in Nazareth. But Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. When Gabriel appeared to both Daniel and Zechariah, the Bible records that at the very sight of Gabriel, they fell down face first to the ground and they shook with fear. But the Bible records something very different with Mary. He said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. I mean, I would love if an angel came up to me and said that. That's really empowering. But Mary didn't feel that way in this holy moment. She was scared, and she probably wondered why he had come to her. Remember that Mary was just a young teenage girl from Nazareth. She was engaged to be married to Joseph, and she was a virgin. The public humiliation that she would endure for being pregnant during this time was horrific. But sometimes God calls you into moments where you don't feel like you are callable, but God is calling you to do his work. You're the perfect person God needs to fulfill his plans, but Mary didn't see it that way at first, and she was disturbed. But Gabriel said, hey, don't worry, the Lord is with you, but she was very aware that, that whatever God was about to do was going to be big. And she would need to surrender, not just this moment, but moments all the time for the rest of her life. So Gabriel said, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Favor with God in this context is the word charis, which is unmerited favor. The first time in the Bible that we read that someone had favor in God's eyes was Noah. Noah built an ark, and when the earth was flooded, he saved humanity through the ark. The first time in the New Testament that this idea is portrayed is through Mary, who eventually gave birth to the Messiah, the Son of God, who would save humanity from our sins. So then Gabriel said, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Mary knew what the prophets had said, and she was waiting for a Messiah. So when she heard this, she likely thought about the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where he says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Mary heard this all her life. She was waiting for this prophecy to be fulfilled. She knew that God was going to do something big. 
She knew he was going to send the Savior. But God knew that Mary would be the mother of Jesus. He knew that Jesus was going to be born in a stable. He knew it was going to be amazing. Mary was just in shock that she was the one chosen to fulfill the prophecy and be the mother of Jesus. So Gabriel continued by saying, He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. In Psalm chapter 89, verses 3 through 4, the Lord said, I have made a covenant with David, my chosen servant. I have sworn this oath to him. I will establish your descendants as kings forever. They will sit on your throne from now until eternity. Exactly what was prophesied was about to come to fruition, and Mary was getting a front row seat to God's miraculous gift, Jesus. See, it had been 400 years since God appeared to the prophet Malachi. And now Gabriel shows up to Zechariah, and six months later, he shows up to Mary. People were waiting for this miracle, and God had been silent for so long. So Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary was a virgin. She couldn't possibly conceive a child. But Gabriel made it very clear that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her, meaning tower above, a layer of protection would be over Mary. But Gabriel didn't stop there. He revealed that her cousin Elizabeth was pregnant. Elizabeth and Zachariah, as the Bible puts it, were well advanced in their years. That means that Elizabeth was way past childbearing age. See, Zechariah was a priest and Elizabeth was barren. In the Bible, women were shamed for being barren and their barrenness was often attributed to some hidden sin. So just for a moment, think about the shock that Zechariah and Elizabeth had when they found out that Elizabeth was expecting a child. After Mary processed all of these things, she ran to see Elizabeth to congratulate her on her pregnancy. And when that happened, the baby within her literally leaped for joy. That baby was John the Baptist. See, not only was Mary given the blessing of carrying the Messiah and raising the Son of God, but she also got to see God's plan continue through Elizabeth and her pregnancy. 
God is very gracious and he's loving. And I love how he had Gabriel wait six months to tell Mary that Elizabeth was going to have a baby. You know, when a woman is six months pregnant, you can tell that they're pregnant. Unless they're on that show, uh, I didn't know I was pregnant. You might not then. But Mary needed to see something to believe that what Gabriel said was true. And he used Elizabeth to do so. See, when God calls us to do something big, we often don't believe in ourselves. We doubt that we can really fulfill his plan. And that's true. We can't fulfill his plan until we allow the Holy Spirit to do a miraculous work in us. Just as Mary surrendered and allowed the Holy Spirit to use her to fulfill God's plan. Mary believed that the Lord would do as he said. She believed And in her belief, she surrendered her will. It was at that moment that Mary prayed one of the greatest prayers, Lord, thy will be done, I surrender to you. See, Mary needed to hear that encouragement. God chose Mary. Mary questioned it at first, wondering how it could be her, but then she saw that her cousin Elizabeth was pregnant. And it was in that moment when she walked in to see her cousin and embrace her. It was that specific moment that turned into a holy moment that Mary would need for the rest of her life. See, Mary endured all sorts of trials as she walked and continued to process all of this news. She had to go tell her fiancé, Joseph, that she was pregnant, but the baby wasn't his. (laughs) Then she had to face all that public ridicule. And then at the end of her son's life, She got to watch him be beaten and crucified on the cross. That's what Mary got. That's what Mary got for saying yes. Because Mary understood that surrender is not just a moment in time. It's moments all the time. It's an entire lifestyle of surrender. God's will isn't always easy to follow, even Mary was resistant to accept the plan, and she had an angel tell her exactly what was going to happen. But God didn't give Mary all of the answers she wanted to hear. But Mary surrendered, and she let go of her resistance. She said yes, regardless of her inability to see the future. She trusted that God had all of these details worked out, and she gave him her whole life. Then she watched him go to work as she sat and said yes daily so that the prophecy would be fulfilled. Mary became a vessel for Jesus to enter this world as a human being. Because she said yes, she gained a renewed love and trust from her husband Joseph. She gave birth to the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. She had a front row seat to watch Jesus grow for 30 years and then see his ministry take flight for the next three years. She got to witness firsthand the limitless miracles of a loving God who knows no bounds. Mary said yes and surrendered everything to God, knowing that he was in control and she wasn't. And all of us have something that we need to surrender. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's our kids, our health. Whatever it may be, we all have something. And we can do it today through today's next step, which is I will surrender my will and say yes to God's will this week.
Earlier, I shared about the moment that I quit my teaching job to work here at New Life. A few years prior to accepting the position, I felt God calling me to run a children's ministry, but I had no idea how that would happen, and honestly, I thought it was just a thought and I had in my head, and it would never happen. But in reality, it was God preparing me for a moment of surrender. When I was offered the job, I wanted to say no. I loved teaching, and I didn't want to give up something that I was comfortable doing for something I had never done before. I was so resistant to listen to God's will for my life. But then I remembered that moment, and I had a moment of surrender. And it really was a holy moment for me. See, I sacrificed this comfort and routine that I'd built for years for something very different. But please hear me. Things did not get easier when I said yes. They got a lot harder. But as I reflect on the last seven and a half years, I can now see how that moment of surrender changed my life. It really blessed my family abundantly. And so many kids have come into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. See, God is faithful, and when we surrender our will to do his will, we start to see these holy moments happen all around us. It's so much easier for us to recognize holy moments when we surrender our lives to Jesus. So we understand that God is in control and we are not. His plans are good, and when we allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in us, we see holy moments all around us. Maybe it's through a relationship that's guided by an attitude that's really friendly and cooperative and helpful. Hey, maybe it's as small as you're at the grocery store this week and someone smiles at you and that burst of joy goes through you and you smile right back at them. See, we get to experience the goodness of God all around us in the small and the large moments and we get to show people what our miracle working father is still doing today. The greatest act of surrender that you can offer in your life is to surrender your life to Jesus. Now, why would that be so important, right? Well, the Bible is very clear that we've all sinned, all of us, and we've all fallen short of God's standard. That means that we really like to take control, and we don't surrender anything. We take control, and we try to put things in our lives that provide us with temporary peace and temporary purpose. See, some of those things might be our money or our careers, relationships, maybe it's substances, but at the end of the day, none of it works. None of it works because nothing can fill the void, because there's only one thing that can fill that void, and it's a relationship with the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ. That's it. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, we can have that forgiveness. And through that forgiveness, we can experience true, forgi- we could tr- experience true peace and purpose in our lives. When we're forgiven, we are made new. And that's when we get to really experience what it's like to live a life of surrender. See, God will give us a life that is far better than anything we could imagine if we'll simply surrender to Jesus. And here at New Life, to surrender our lives to Jesus, we say that it's as simple as ABC. A, we admit. We admit that we're sinners. We admit that we can't do it anymore. We admit that the things that were providing us that temporary peace and purpose are not working. 
We know that we've screwed up. We're throwing our hands in the air and tapping out because we now believe that Jesus is the answer, that he came to this earth as a little baby and he lived a perfect life and he died for us. It was perfect and he sacrificed his own life for all of us. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. And we confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior and we commit to following him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, that's when real surrender happens. That's when we find that true peace and purpose in our lives. It's through Jesus. So if you've never asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. It's the best time to do it. I'm going to say it in my own words, and you can say the same words as me or make up your own, but really it's what's in your heart. It's the conversation that you are going to have with Jesus. So all of us, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that the things that I am doing in my life to provide me with peace aren't working. And I know that Jesus is the answer. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe that he died on the cross for me and that he rose again. And I confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life and I commit to following him. Holy Spirit, I ask that you fill me. I thank you for helping me to live this life of surrender. And for the rest of us, I pray, God, that whatever we are facing, that we are having a hard time letting go of, that this is the moment that we release it over to you, that we give you our cares, our concerns, our worries, that we know that you are good, your plans are good, and that we know that you are fighting for us, that when we need to rest, we can rest in you. Thank you that we get to be here to worship together and to draw closer to you. In your son Jesus' name, amen.